here we are, drifting through space. Towards the dark hole. <laughs> it's me, your co-host of American Pale Males, Jeremy. And with me is the always concerned that I'm going to do something that makes us need to re-record the introduction. <laughs> yeah, it's me, Michael. <laughs> yeah, you do. You have me on edge sometimes with those intros. I, I know, but right? Most of the time you pull through. We've never had to re-record something. I mean, outside of like technical or like... Like a total botch or, or something. Or just talking like we have a mouthful of peanut butter or something yeah, like that. Yeah, corpsing and stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, good point. Um, it's good to keep you on your toes, Michael. Yes. But uh, yeah, you mentioned the dark hole. This really, we're kind of escaping the dark hole here. One thing that differs from a dark hole as to a black hole, Michael, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's that light can actually escape the surface of a dark hole. <laughs> but not a black but hole. But not a black hole. Don't be an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. But uh, about hawking radiation. Um, uh, yeah. Event horizons and what have you. Mm-hmm. Naked singularity. Time and reality is kind of bent out here as we close in on the dark hole. Or escape the dark hole. I don't know. What are we even doing? <laughs> well, we'll find out in the FDR segment. The walls of reality are thin, Michael. Mm-hmm. But for now, beer brags. Yes, Michael. Jeremy, you said you had something tailor-made or something Unique specific? is the word. Okay, that's the... Yeah, that's what So, several weeks ago, I had mentioned that I went to a Contrary Brewing Tap Takeover. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. And that I had their peanut butter porter. So I had it again with friend of the show, Steve. And it's been eh, three weeks since I had it last, and it's mm-hmm. almost certainly the same keg because it was not nearly as good. And it's weird when you are able to see a beer age like that. Oh, oh dear. So it was the only thing from Contrary that was still on tap. Oh, okay. So that makes and, sense then, yeah. Uh, yes. And at the venue in which we were imbibing, I don't get the feeling that they were big fans of words that have the word peanut, or beers with the word peanut butter in them. Yeah. And so I suspect that they were just trying to kill the keg. And I had seen it when I was coming in, and I'm like, oh, hey, Steve. This peanut butter porter that I had was really good. It's the one that I talked about on the show. And then we had it, and it definitely was old and kind of coppery. That's too bad. It, it was too bad because it uncanny valley is not the right word or phrase, I suppose. But it was kind of there, but it just wasn't quite right. A shadow of its former self. It was, which stinks because I wanted Steve to try that. Whereas it was previously a four-star beer, I'd say it was probably not like a two. Wow. This, this wow. is not good, man. Oh, no. Because just... Interesting. Yeah. And I just assumed it was fascinating to see how that had aged in, like, only three weeks. But I suppose that will do it. Mm. What about you, Michael? What do you got for beer, Brig? Oh, funnily enough, I have another peanut butter beer. This is <laughs> peanut butter milk stout from Belching Beaver Brewery. I think they're in California. America's favorite peanut butter milk stout. This silky smooth beer puts us on the map. Troy came up with the idea of combining peanut butter with our beaver's milk stout, and he nailed it. Don't let the dark color fool you. This beer is delightfully easy to drink with cascading aroma of peanuts, dark chocolate, and coffee. And I really, really liked it. Good. Uh, It's great. So I haven't had that many peanut butter beers. This might actually be the second. I feel like maybe there's a third in there somewhere. But the one I had with you when you Mm -hmm. were visiting. Correct. And that was really great. It was. But to me, they do 
taste a little bit like peanut butter, but they taste more like a like a liqueur, like a a, a Bailey's Irish mm. cream. What is it? Bailey's Irish. I was gonna say. I think um, it is Irish cream. It is Irish cream. I think yeah, or kind of a Kahlua like taste, but not heavy on the coffee. So to me, it's more like an accent flavor rather than a direct peanut butter inoculation, which I'd be fine with too. But this was only um, 5.5%. I think the other one I had was over eight or something. It was it was a bit warmer, yes. Yeah, but this had that same like zazz that you would get from like a liqueur at a pretty low ABV. So interesting. It, it's almost like a flavor onto its own that makes it seem more potent. It's like instead of aging your beer in a whiskey barrel... Let's start aging them in peanut butter jars, I say. Um, That's disgusting. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this might be my new like pursuit, I think. Because if they're consistently like this, like the two that I had were, mm-hmm. I think this might be like one of my new favorite styles or new favorite adjuncts. Your new jam? Yeah, exactly. Um, jam, except this peanut butter. Um, I... I- did that on purpose. Thank you for picking up on that. <laughs> so you you're talking about peanut butter now. I know we're we're a beer podcast, but um, have you heard of Screwball with a K, which is peanut butter whiskey, Michael? Oh, and apparently no, never heard of that. If you put it with oh uh, oh, what's the elderflower liqueur? Saint Germain. Saint Germain. Apparently, it's delightful if you put it with Saint Germain. Interesting. That's a strange combination. I know, right? Wow. This website of uh, Screwball is very... It's, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. Very, <laughs> very, let's hire some uh, 20-something models and uh, <laughs> hang out, have them hang out on a roof. I'll just chug in peanut butter whiskey out <laughs> on, day our, on a roof. Like a rooftop. <laughs> like, not just like a, like a high-rise rooftop. Oh, this no, is, no, this uh, is... <laughs> Uh, like think, asphalt shingles. <laughs> yeah, think uh oh uh workaholics. <laughs> yeah. But I'm still intrigued. So the two peanut butter beers I had, they were both stouts you know, mm-hmm. or based in a dark beer, but now I'm extra curious about that uh half of ice in that you had. That garbage Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh. That seems like an odd turn, so I have to like my curiosity is growing for that one. That was and that was what turned Michael into a maniac. <laughs> yeah. For the perfect peanut butter beer. Yep. Interesting. All right. Well, screwball whiskey and peanut butter beer. You could just put like a Coors Light into a empty half empty peanut butter jar and see what happens. You're a big fan of doing weird crap like that. I am, and we might have some extra leftover <laughs> in some of our upcoming <laughs> brews that I can feel fine about wasting mixing with peanut butter. All right, Jeremy. Michael. I have some interview-style questions for you. Dios mio. I lifted these whole cloth from a podcast called Improv for Humans. I know that it features Matt Besser, but I've never listened to it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's very consistent, I will say. But he has to get the a scene started and just to you know have the performers talk about themselves. He has uh, people tweet in some questions that really get conversations started. So I thought I'd try a few of these on you. And okay. uh, if you need some time to think about it, I have some preloaded stories because obviously I've seen, seen the questions. Well, sure. Question number one, what's the baddest you've ever been beaten in a competition? Oh, man, that's easy. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, so you know 
that despite my uh, now average weight of whatever it is right now, 175, 180, whatever, yeah. I don't remember what it is, but uh, I was not always the strapping young man that I have been. In fact, mm-hmm. one may dare say that I've been underweight my entire life until I turned about like 33. Yes. Um, and that goes doubly when I was a younger lad. Uh, I wrestled when I was in, when I was a little kid from like oh, age. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I was about. It was I wrestled from about like age eight through junior high, so about six seven years I want to say, um, and I was bad at it because I was a weak little boy. Um, I rest. I distinctly remember wrestling at the sixty two or sixty eight pound weight class mm-hmm. when I was like ten or something. Wow. Like, yeah, I know, I know. It's sad, but I won a few matches in my lifetime, and this is obviously not one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at, I believe it was Trainer, Iowa, for a wrestling meet, which is uh, western part of the state. And toward in the third period, my opponent had me in the half Nelson. And oh wow, one of the things where he was trying to sink the half Nelson and to flip me over on my back, go for the pin. Hmm. Uh, one of the things that my coach had taught me to do because I was constantly being pinned with half Nelson uh-huh. is uh, just chicken winging. So basically what will normally happen with a right-handed person. So if you, sh- if you, you and the listener stretch your right arm directly mm-hmm. above you and you look yes. up at it, imagine someone putting on your right side with their right arm, which is the, you know, the dominant arm for a large mm-hmm. part of people. Um, going under your right armpit and then on the back of your head and then on the back of your head trying to use that arm as leverage to flip you over yeah so if you take the arm of yours and you Mm -hmm. fold it into a chicken wing and you just smash down on the other person's arm it prevents them from doing that Mm. okay very common uh you're just chicken winging an arm down that's trying to flip you over right and when done properly you can swing your butt out and then just sort of sit out of it. Oh, okay. Um, I was not chicken winging hard enough because it's it like released some of the pressure that he had on my head, mm-hmm. but it didn't loosen his grip on my head, and as such, he just kept smashing my head back into the mat oh, every time God. that I had oh got God. the chicken wing down. Um, I got knocked unconscious. Oh. I don't think I was concussed, um, but I did get knocked out. And when I woke up, the coach was coming out on the mat to be like, guess we got to work on that chicken winging still, I guess. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, thanks, Coach K. Thanks a lot. (laughs) But, yeah, that's that one. That's probably the worst I've been beaten in competition. Yeah, that's pretty pretty bad. Um, But I have to give you props for being a wrestler. I mean. I I did it for a long time. If I had to guess, it was, I was probably thinking that it was going to be pro wrestling. (laughs) <laughs> right. But it wasn't, and I just kept doing it because it's fun. Huh. Then I uh, screwed up my back, and the time requirements and the effort became a lot heavier <laughs> once oh, you get we... to high school. And I was like, yeah, you once, know what? Yeah. Uh, it's 1998, and the Ocarina of Time is going to come out pretty soon, if it wasn't out already. Oh, sure, sure. Very good, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. I was just going to relate the time I was in a YMCA basketball league, and... <laughs> We our uh, shirts were teal, so we were the Hornets. Okay, of course you were. Yeah, right. Why wouldn't you be? And I remember we weren't very good, like single digit scores. <laughs> I mean, not that the scores were ever 
higher than the twenties, but still we were markedly <laughs> lower. And then we we're up against the, the Magic, which at that time was the hot team in the NBA and also mm-hmm. the hot team in this YMCA group. They could break forty. And I remember four of my classmates were on this team who were all I don't want to say athletic because they're kids, but they were, you know, good at gym and, you know, running and all that stuff and basketball for that matter. And it was supposed to be like randomized, but they created this ringer team by saying, oh, we're in a carpool. So you have to put us all on the same team. I I hate that. And I think we got thwomped by them. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember the score, but it I we probably put up four points or something. I will say though, not against that team, but another one. I did make a basket on my birthday. That's pretty solid. Probably accounted for you know a solid twenty percent of our total score. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. Well done. Hornets didn't fare well that season. Um, Hornets didn't fare well for a lot of seasons. Had the Horn- <laughs> did the Hornets ever fare well? I don't think so. This is the I magic, mean, magic did in starter jacket sales. They fared oh, very well. God yes. <laughs> Um, next question here, Jeremy. What was the favorite game to play on the playground as a kid? Not necessarily yours, but what was the game? Really from any era, but... Oh. You give me a story here. I'm going to okay. think about this one. Yeah, I can, uh, there was a, maybe around second grade, third grade, um, recess time. It was dodgeball. Okay. And, um, I remember we used to play with, like, the hard relatively hard the hard rubber ball the red utility ball yeah and (laughs) when you got like pelted with one of those it would sting (laughs) yeah it would so they switched over to nerf balls oh the lame boo yeah yeah you know just a big round nerf ball not not any particular we had the same variety um but the thing with those was that (laughs) they absorbed moisture so if it was a (laughs) (laughs) it was a wet day on the playground (laughs) And we had a dress code in my school, so you could wear uh, polo shirts, you could wear white, blue, or red, I think. And man, if you were in a white shirt and you know playing <laughs> on the blacktop after a rainy day, and you, you know, po- you'd get pelted with one of those, and there'd just be this big gray, dark circle of <laughs> grime and muck in the shape of that Nerf ball that imparted all the moisture right upon impact. Mm-hmm right uh, on the kid's back as he tried to turn away to dodge, but mm-hmm. was not quite fast enough. So yeah, that's that's the uh, playground game I remember most distinctly due to that. One that I remember from the playground, and I don't know if it was a game, is more of a like a fad. But, so, it, when I was in like third grade, mm-hmm. they did some big fundraiser thing to uh, to build a new playground. Okay. And so it was like a big fancy wooden thing and it was it was very intense especially for the time in which it was around and they the swings so there was one like big play area i don't know what you would call it but it was it was just this big thing and it was about i'd say 15 feet away from the swings Mm -hmm. and what people would do Yeah, is you would (laughs) you you would try to hit the uh, the the play area from the swings, jumping off the swing, right? Bailing out, yeah. And uh, it didn't quite work out like people thought it would. (laughs) 
because you couldn't really get to it. I mean, the the closest I ever got <laughs> was uh, I, I I got within like two feet, like to the point where you're in midair. And Your broken like, femur was touching. <laughs> you're like, oh god, I'm going to hit that thing. <laughs> I I didn't, and I don't no. know if anybody ever actually got there, but. The, they sure as hell tried. <laughs> the, the swings, I'd say, like, and it, and it's hard to judge because I think that playground is bulldozed now, and there's something okay. new in there. Oh, it was bulldozed after somebody died trying to launch. That's it. entirely possible. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone died, but you know, right? Yeah, sure. Dumber things have happened, but yeah, I think that that was that was that was it. I I remember that. Hmm. I don't know yeah. if that was a good. No, start. no, I like that. I was I like how specific that is. Let's see. Maybe we can squeeze one more in here. Okie dokie. All right. This one might be specific to you. Okay. Because um, you go and see movies a lot. I do. And, and, you know, I don't know how much you want to put yourself out there, but... That's fine. When is the last time you cried at a movie? And I'll give you the uh, an out here. We'll count misty-eyed as a cry, too. Ah, uh, interesting. But you're a pretty tough guy. I mean... Well, that's the thing. But, you're into movies, too. I, I am into movies. Let me pop up my Letterboxd account here. <laughs> what about you, Michael? When was the last time you weeped? Weeped? <laughs> <laughs> Just open sobbing. No, I mean, I can't really relate to a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it was lamenting for Nick Cage's career after seeing that one where he's an admiral. Oh, wow. I, oh God! I never saw that movie. <laughs> that looked real bad. I—I uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of. The, oh, it was probably the farewell. Oh, that sounds sad. Even without, I don't think I know what that is, and it already sounds sad. So it's a, a movie that came out last year that probably should have gotten some Oscar nominations. Mm. And I believe it won some gold. Uh, Aquafina won a Golden Globe for Best Actress. Uh, oh, comedy okay. or musical, and in any case, it is it is a movie. So Aquafina is a headstrong Chinese American woman, and at the beginning of the movie, and this is not a spoiler. This is the the whole point of the movie, mm-hmm. just for those listening who have not seen it. I'm not going to give away anything important here. It plays on the idea that in Chinese culture, apparently, when someone is like terminally ill and they're old, that they do not tell the person that they're like, oh, you've got stage four cancer or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they don't have the burden of knowing that death is coming in. And so okay. uh, Aquafina's grandmother has cancer and she is given like, you know, only a few months to live. And her family stages a fraudulent wedding of one of her cousins in China as an excuse for everyone to get together. And uh, give a farewell to Nainai. It's it's very funny. It's not as sad as it sounds, because it sounds brutal, but it's mm-hmm. it's not. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and I was surprised it didn't get more love at the end of the year. That sounds like something that should. Well, very good, Jeremy. Thank you for indulging those questions. Yeah, no problem. Um, maybe we'll do that again sometime. Would it have been weird if I would have said, like, Joker? Yeah, man, when he shot that guy, or or like Piranha 3D or something (laughs) like that. Yeah, let's get to the uh, FDR. Sounds good. Drink a beer and rate a beer. 
Jeremy, you brought it, so you ought to reveal what it Boy, is. Boy, bringing that back, are we? Uh-huh. So this one is, I think, technically a variant. Yeah, because maybe. There, there's no, I couldn't find a uh, a web page for it, but there is an untapped page for it, and it's got okay. some color text on it. And we're going back to Knoxville, Iowa, for Peace Tree Brewing Company Triple B Bourbon oh, Barrel yeah. Blonde, a heavy hitter at nine percent. 10 IBUs. Our World Beer Cup gold medal winning Blonde Fatale, which that's the base. Okay, which will, we had on the show. Which we have had on the show. Will Charms you. Uh, look at the, look into that peace tree. With its golden color, surprising smoothness. The Belgian yeast adds hints of fruity complexity, which is balanced by the medium fragrance and crisp flavor of Syrian golding and Celia hops? Yeah, that's a new one. As if that weren't enough, the Belgian-style ale is then aged in bourbon barrels to infuse a gentle spiciness, sweet oak aromas, and full-body flavor. This is like some uh, Metalocalypse improper pluralization. Use guys, I have happings fun. <laughs> I will say, uh, the flavor text is on the bottle, too. Okay. Is it... And... Icewills talks good? Yeah. <laughs> It does say it doesn't pluralize the charm, at least. Oh, okay. But uh, it does say aromas. Okay. Um, anything else to say about this, or should we open it? Uh, so I've had this one, but it's been quite some time. I think the most recent time I've had it is I had a bottle and I had a taster of it when I was in Des Moines at the uh, tap room. Okay. I remember enjoying it. It's got a Carmen San Diego looking uh, lady <laughs> on the. Uh, I was going to say that, too. That's exactly what it reminded me of. Mm-hmm. What is that little thing by her face? Is, it looks like a vial or a grenade. What is that? I I don't know. Hmm. Oh, it's it's the bottle that we're holding. If you, if you like, tilt oh, the... Oh, yeah. If you tilt it towards the light, you can see a very vague gray outline hand. of a hand wrapped around it. I get it now. All right. Well, that's fine. Give it a pour here. Now, Michael, while we're pouring, I did notice that there was a lot of sediment in the bottle, the bottom of the bottle. Yes. So make sure to give this thing a good old-fashioned swirl before you uh, empty it out. Yeah, I did that. Okay, good. I'll give it another bonus swirl here, too, though. I'm assuming that yeast flavor will uh, Oh yeah. be a nice contribution. At some point, oh, wow, that is a thick layer of yeast on the bottom. I did not, oh, yeah. I did not even get close to getting it all out. Yeah, around the kind of the ring the of the ridge, bottle. Yeah, yeah, it's just like uh, packed in there. Pa- yeah, I mean you can't exactly put one of these in like a paint shaker or anything like that. <laughs> right. It smells very nice. Okay, so this 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 one's not what you think it is. And oh, you went in? No, no, no. The smell oh. is taking me back because I was really, really surprised when I had this the first time. Okay, okay. What are you um, getting out yeah, of the nose? Mainly a bourbon smell. Okay. With a little yeastiness there. It almost um, smells like wine. Yeah. Like an oaky, yeah, like oaky a white wine. wine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very good comparison. Thank you, Michael. It is a good comparison. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's it's hazy. It is. Um, which is kind of a, to be expected with all the yeast. Yeah, all the yeast. Yeah. It's a deep yellow color. Deep, almost orange. Indeed. I'll say this before I go in. I have high expectations because all the peace tree we've had on the show has been amazing. Hopefully at some point, Michael, when uh, perhaps when the children are older and you can leave and be irresponsible for a weekend, 
we should go down there because, at least to Des Moines anyway. Yeah. Well, I want to see the peace tree. I want to take a kayak out there and hit it with a stick. Anyways, let's, uh, have you gone yes. in? I've gone in. This is very different. Um, it's intense. It is. Um, you're combining a Belgian style with a barrel, which is not just oft done. Always weird. So it's, it's, it's very zesty. It's almost tart. Um, it's almost tart. You do get a strong bourbon barrel flavor after the initial wash over. And then it kind of has a yeasty finish, yeasty aftertaste. It's a really, um, it's very effervescent too. It is effervescent. That's with a... tiny bubbles. So it's like a, a complex wash of flavors, um, all which are good. Mm-hmm. So when I first had this one, I was expecting Blonde Fatale with a little bit of whiskey on it. Right. Which I imagine is what you were expecting because why wouldn't you? A little you? bit, yeah. No, no, no. It's a different beast. It's not sour, but you know how there's like some uh, yeah. some beers have that woody... Yes, yeah. There you go. That flavor is there for sure. It's that just oak. That, o- yeah. that oaky, almost tartness to it mm-hmm. that you get in like... Oh, what is an example of this that I'm thinking of. You, I know you know what I'm thinking of. Anything, something from Anchorage Brewing yes, Company? Yes, they do a thank lot of you. oak stuff. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That is exactly what it's like. I've been inside one of those tanks. Because <laughs> if you'll remember... There was an accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very much like that scene in Strange Brew. Uh, no, <laughs> they have some French oak barrels there. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, they converted to booths, right? One of them is converted to one or two of them is converted to a booth. Yes. Um, so I have been inside, and it's very, very weird. It's like being in a, whatever a sixteen-sided sauna would be like. There is, yeah. <laughs> what would sixteen-sided be? Do you know the? Uh, uh right in. <laughs> Dohecahedron or something? I don't know. Um. Uh. Let me see here. Sorry, I'm looking up some old brews that Mike and I had. So the the, re- um, the reason why I had made while you're doing that the reason yes. why I had mentioned is just like oh yeah when I had that flash of recognition is Iron's like oh yeah this thing's kind of a uh, tart and funky a little bit it is not just that standard smooth yeast. I mean Blonde Fatale is fairly smooth in my mind yes which yeah. is, which is why it gets everyone in trouble well, <laughs> considering its potency it's because pretty it's, uh, easy going it really is and. I'm sure I said it last time that uh, that we had Blonde Fatale on the show, which was within the past year. Yeah, that was pretty recently. I mean, it was about seven months ago. Okay. Eight months ago. I can be specific here, so... Please do. And this is kind of poetic in a way, Jeremy. I don't, you know, consider you didn't even plan this by getting this, but episode 47, Mike and I in a live recording had a beer from Anchorage Brewing Company called Bitter Monk. I've had it. I believe. Now, that was a Belgian IPA. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different than this because I think it probably had a little more hoppiness to it. Um, but it's because of that oak flavor, it's it's very reminiscent of that mm-hmm. to me. And yeah, like, you know, before we even got into it, like just that flavor profile took me back four years ago mm-hmm. to having that with Mike. Um, so yeah, very interesting I like the complexity because every time you go in, you can focus on a different element and just brood upon that mm-hmm. while you're drinking this. It offers a drinking experience. It, it does. And I I feel like this is the first beer we've had in a while. Is Well, the uh, the Hitachino 
aside. Well, yeah, that was a little... Mm-hmm. This is the first one that's like actually changed. Or yes. like just kind of has so much going on that you can, as you put it, just kind of like chew on a different thing each time. Mm-hmm. This is the malt is there, obviously. I mean, this... I think we said that this thing clocks in at 9%. Yes. It's not bitter at all. No. It's almost sour. It's got that wood funk to it. Mm-hmm. Funk, yes. Not a goza or a guazy or... Oh, God, what is the wood sours? An mm. old Bruin. Old Bru- oh, yeah, okay. It's kind of like that taken down like a peg or two. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I am... Like, there's so much I would want to know about this. Like, okay, if, I wonder if it's just as simple as taking a bunch of already brewed Blonde Fatale, throwing it in a, in, you know, bourbon barrels. I don't know if it's, like, how long it's aged. Is it a first... Or like a blend or something. Is it, or, a, fir- yeah. is it a first use bourbon barrel? Has something right. else been in it? Has there been wine in it? Which would explain a lot. Yeah, it's very white wine, um, like a vermouth, almost. True, true. I mostly only have, you know, a dab of vermouth in my Manhattans every now and then, namely when I'm mm-hmm. cooking a fine fatty meat dinner. <laughs> oh, very Bacchanalian. Um, yeah, this is great. And again, uh, reiterates Peace Tree's uh, uh, pedigree on the show, at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I haven't had everything they had, but everything you've brought has been great. They're kind of, not niche, but... A smaller brewery, relatively speaking. They are. They were one of the OG Iowa brewings. Yeah, so you have to kind of press F to pay respects for that. God. Let's let's do this. Let's um let's let's Is there anything that you don't like and then let's rate it. So I'm not sure because I wonder what this is like as it warms up. True, true, and maybe we should give it a little yeah, before we actually go into rating we can Cause I feel like talk the a little wish, more the wood off mic the- and I feel like the wood and the whiskey is coming out a little bit more. I think so. Jeremy and I talked politics and for about 10 minutes or so, thereabouts. So the beer has probably warmed up adequately. Um, I To me, the big thing that changes is the, is the back end. You get a lot more of the volatile flavors. A lot of that wood. A lot of, yeah, a lot of oak. A lot of more bourbonity. Bourbonosity. But still good. Bourbon. I would say... Yeah, it's still very good. The one, actually, I'm kind of updating my rating as I go, and doesn't have anything to do with that, but it, it's kind of a harsher beer. It is. Just because of all the intense flavors that it throws at you. The fact that it's harsh is the the benefits of the complexity, intensity, and... Integrity? Integrity, sure. Intelligence? <laughs> what am I? Kurt Angle now? <laughs> um <gasps> And that outweighs any sort of, like, you know, it does hit you hard with the flavors, but this is a very unique beer, a very unique style. Mm-hmm. And uh, that far outweighs that criticism of it being a little harsh. Mm-hmm. It's worth walking through that harsh desert to get to the beautiful oasis at the end. <laughs> um, Good Lord. Let's rate this before <laughs> this goes off the rails any further. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> a vote for me for president, too. Uh, Jeremy, you did the intro, so I will say what say you to this beer. So I really like this beer. I like that it's kind of all over the map on everything. Mm-hmm. It's got the malt. It has the yeast. It has the 
it has the bourbon flavor and it has the oak as well which is weird and i feel like that oaky flavor is what's kind of holding it back for me a little bit Mm -hmm. like it just doesn't jive with the rest of the beer as well as i would like it it's very good in context but it does not it, it doesn't mesh as well as Right. Something would in like a Belgian or a Saison. Or, Not know. as cohesive? Cohesive is a good word. Well done. So I'm going to give this a 4.25. Okay. What say you, Michael? I will say that, um, you know, as we let it warm up, some of those other flavors got intense. They're still doing so, by the way. They do have a um, serving temperature on here. Oh. Serve at 8 degrees Celsius, 48 Fahrenheit. I think we're probably a little past that. Yeah, probably. Um, and some of those harsher elements are coming out. But since Congeners. They do have the, yes. Since they do have that serving temperature, when it did hit that sweet spot, it was very good. It, you know, not too cold, not too warm. Uh-huh. And so I was kind of bouncing between a few ratings. Evolving. Changing. As high as 4.75. But I think I got to go 45 Again, cementing Peachtree as you know one of the best brewers we've had on the show. They're pretty great. Yeah, Peachtree has been very good, um, very consistent. At least what I have had. Um, I haven't had everything, but what you've brought to me at least has been excellent and always solid. Jeremy, do you know if this comes in like a four pack or a six pack? I... Or- I believe this is a four-pack situation. Okay. I remember seeing it in the the little uh, four-pack with the weird plasticky circle dudes. Oh, okay. I realize that's terribly informative. But... <laughs> um, and I can see that too. So it's it may you know it's a maybe a little more elite beer, but I think it deserves that status. Special. Yeah. Um, you know, if it was a six-pack, that would even give me more like. You got to get this ASAP, but you know, since it, it does hit that higher echelon, but um, in any case, yeah, it's, it's a very good beer. So 4.5 for me. Question. Yes. Do you know what we gave regular Blonde Fatale off the top of your head? You gave it a 4.0 and I gave it a 4.25. So this almost scales. I guess so. Yeah. Um, That's weird because I really do love Blonde Fatale and I'm shocked that I gave it a four. What would you prefer this or that the the og oh okay just only because like it's 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 just this one is super intense yeah that one's like very easy a whole lot going on and like i mean there's a reason why uh knob of the show can feel comfortable ordering two pitchers of this at a (laughs) local drinkery i have to agree with you that like for every two blonde fatales three maybe you could have you could only have one of these just because of the flavor intensity, um, mm-hmm. and that's probably a good thing that there's rate limiting factor on these. Right, things. that's probably yeah. <laughs> um, it is. I'm I'm going to go ahead and say it is. A good it thing. is. <laughs> um, in any case, it's another one down the gullet. In the meantime, you can find us in a variety of places. You can find us on Twitter at APM Pod there, Facebook.com slash APM Pod. Email us directly, apmpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Untapped, where host Emeritus Mike keeps up with all of our ratings there. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app, but uh, we'll leave it at that. Indeed, we will. So for Jeremy, I've been Michael. For Michael, I've been Jeremy. And this has been American Pale Males. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>